Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. The goal to promote God, family, and country and to protect life, liberty, and property. It is Veterans Day today. It is November the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Veterans Day different from Memorial Day. They're similar but different, several months apart. We do want to thank those who serve in the military Uh, and who have died and given their lives and suffered. At the same time, we stand for peace, not war. We've got to make that very clear, and it's very hard to separate. The second you say we're not for war, people are like, oh, man, are you jettisoning the veterans? And No, 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 we need to take care of them without a doubt. In fact, Dr. Bradley with me is a veteran. Dr. Scott Bradley, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thank you. um, Yeah, the Veterans Day... Is a mixed bag for me. I mean, uh, everybody's saying, say thank you for your service, et cetera, et cetera. I'm no hero. And uh, and that's that's an absolute fact. But uh, but we do have this military, mil- militaristic kind of cast and drumbeat that's going on in the country. And, uh, and uh, uh, military in its right mode and everything like that is absolutely true blue, you know, patriot Americanism, and and yet, and still, um, we 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 just tend to, uh, you know, I, I always talk about Lindsey Graham and some of those of his ilk that can't wait to kill some Marines somewhere in the world, and and I get so sick and tired of everybody beating that drum of going off to war, and and while I mean we have driven our best and brightest. Uh, most patriotic and bravest people out of the military with the bizarre idiocy that's currently going on with the um, messed up sexual status and the uh, uh, the uh, the girly thing. I heard yesterday a Marine Corps advertisement on the radio. I was driving. I normally don't listen to media, but, but I was driving. I had the radio on, and, oh, there was this little girl about 17, 18 years old that uh, was so proud she had made it through boot camp and uh, she looked at this uh, drill instructor that was in front of her that she respected so much, and he said, "Good morning, Marine." And she said, "I made it." No, this is this is a facade. It's a fake. I mean, who wants to send our little girls home in body bags? We don't want to send anybody home, really. I don't. But the fact of the matter is, when when we're dismembering our little girls, I mean, are we supposed to be proud about that? Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe in a kind of a dire or, I don't know, distracted mode today, but it just, to me, we've got to recalibrate America and see that that isn't what we're about. We're not empire building. We're not supposed to be. We're not supposed to be the world's policemen. We're not supposed to be the tripwire that's out in every country out there from Montenegro to to Ukraine. I mean, I, I just am so sick and tired of it, and we're beating the drums in Congress right now, and... I mean, this, uh, we'll talk about Well, you're right on every point, Dr. Bradley. I would just say this, though. You know, we have an obligation uh, as patriots and as true uh, believers in Christ to stand with Christ, to focus on um, the good news, which is, you know what? Christ lives. He was resurrected. And because of that, you know what? There is good in the world. And I know it doesn't feel like it a lot of the time, but 
it's something that we can really focus on and take note of and be aware of. And there are different people doing the best they can. I know it seems bleak, but there's been many times in the uh, in the Earth's history since Adam and Eve that the you know times have been bleak. But there's always the sunrise. There's always the hope, and there's always hope in Christ. And so. I just want to put that in perspective a little bit because I believe that if we're not very careful, it's very easy to get too discouraged. Uh, and that's exactly what Satan wants is for us to end up being discouraged and feckless. Well, you know, the, the Isaiah speaking messianically said, you know, about the Savior, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. This idea of the angelic annunciation that happened to the shepherds, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. That is what this is all about. But there are times, there are times, and the Founding Fathers understood that, when somebody had to stand in the gap. Somebody had to be there between our loved ones and what was going on and our peace and our freedom, the blessing of, of liberty and all that kind of stuff, proper government. There has to be that. And uh, there's no getting around it. And we must recognize that. But the military is not a social club. The military is not 911 for Israel or for Ukraine or for, like I said, Montenegro. They're in NATO for crying out loud because we're going to be their tripwire. If somebody attacks them, we're going to be in war. And and uh, NATO's moving stuff into the Baltic states. I mean, the Balkans. I mean, come on. I mean, the uh, we, we've moved all our ships. I mean, not all of them, but, but probably the largest military armada that the united states has ever floated in the mediterranean is floating offshore right now or on the way to float there for israel and and it's just i mean the they're they're beating the drum of we got to send money we got to send ammunition we got to send missiles we got to send iron dome components i mean everything is a war footing the military industrial complex and so, you know, Sam, I, this, this Veterans Day thing, and we do have people that have given so much and loved so much, but we're driving the best, the brightest, the bravest out of the military, which is, we got to have them there to stand in the gap if the time comes, but for crying out loud. I mean, this idea of, of oh, man, we got to have a draft. You know, back in March of 2020, this was three and a half years ago now, March of 2020, a congressional report was turned in recommending a universal draft, boys and girls, three different levels of service, and, and you would be shocked at who bought into this program. We're going to have the 13th Amendment set on ice so that people can be slaves to the government. But it would have been passed have to register but that's in the wings we're waiting for that and we are not supposed to be a military caste society these people are necessary they're needed and we love them and i served with people people died that i know and we just or i knew and and it's it's a big thing but we don't do it for the wrong reasons which is everything we're doing right now so you know i i guess i Maybe this day is a little bit of a, a kind of a prickly point to me right now, and maybe I'm just a little bit uh, torn because we do tend to, I mean, I don't know. We make it such a uh, 
an honor and everything. It is an honor, but it's a very, very heavily laden honor, and and we shouldn't enter into these things lightly. So, anyway, I mean, we probably have talked about that more than you wanted to, but holy cow! Well, it is I, Veterans uh, Day. And it is a day to be grateful for those who have served their country. It's also a day, though, to acknowledge that, you know what? We don't want to celebrate warriors. We want to thank them for their service. We want to care for them uh, if they come home uh, and take care of their families. And, you know, there's a balance here that I really think is worth highlighting on Veterans Day. We don't look for wars. We don't look for dragons to slay. We We go about this in a humble way. We want to thank those who serve, but they're not rock stars. And in fact, many of them, you know, say, as you said earlier, Dr. Bradley, I'm no hero. Uh, Many of them don't want credit. At the same time, we do want to appreciate them. And there's an appropriate balance that America has lost. Uh, Either go too far one way or the other way. One, they're heroes. Um, Two, we like Vietnam, we leave them hung out to dry. We need to do none of those things. We need to show appreciation and support for them in meaningful ways. We need to be grateful for their service, but at the same time, we don't need to glorify war. And we can do all those things if we're educated about it. And we can do all those things if we really go back to the Founding Father-esque agenda and focus. Uh, Then I think that balance comes into focus as we follow the Prince of Peace and we advocate for peace. We must do what we must do. I get it. But we can still advocate for peace in a humble um, foreign policy foreign and domestic uh, dr bradley and i think for veterans day that's worth our focus it indeed it is and i am just again everybody that that really understands what's under the covers or behind the curtains or however you want to put this um this is a heavy burden and we call upon people to do heavy things and and i i I maybe told the story a little bit on on your program but my the last member of our family that immigrated to the states was my grandmother who came through Ellis Island in in the 1890s and uh, i always tried to get her to teach me danish and and uh, she wouldn't she says we're americans we speak american in our home and so they were all in all americans and and she lost a son her youngest son in world war 2 i mean he didn't die in europe he died there but he didn't know it until 1963. He was so broken and so completely devastated by everything. He carried the burdens of war the rest of his life. And and I used to, I mean, he was completely devastated. We call it PTSD today, but it wasn't really thought of that much in those days. But I used to sit out on the lawn chair with him and talk with him. And well, I did mostly listening. I was, I, I talk way too much as it is, but but the fact of the matter is I listened a lot, and I think, I believe firmly that he told me things he's never told anybody else. But he was so heavily burdened. He was oppressed. His life was crushed. Marriage, family, all that kind of stuff, and, and it just was devastated. And, and there are so many today. We have so many veterans that commit suicide every single day that shouldn't be happening. The PTSD, a lot. I think is is kind of cognitive dissonance, where maybe we we'll talk about this more. Go ahead and skip uh, the break, I, Doctor. I, go ahead. Stuff happens. Stuff happens, and it doesn't make any sense. And there's no there's no justification. And in your heart of hearts, you know it's not good. Morality gets set aside. I mean, war is institutionalized, legalized mass murder. I, that's really what it is, 
and and uh, and yes, it has to happen sometimes to protect our loved ones, to protect our liberty and our proper government and everything God's given us. But but to this shock and awe stuff that goes on nowadays, it's mostly collateral damage on innocence. I mean, I, I it's hard. I've I've tried really hard in my studies to f- find out how many people died in Southeast Asia, for example. It, you can't. It's impossible. Absolutely impossible. It's hard even to come up with numbers for World War II, which we think we had better records on and everything. But but there were two to three million Vietnamese killed in Southeast Asia. We don't know how many. And and we don't... This stuff about uh, casualties in, in Saddam and Sain's uh, country, our shock and awe, uh, it took out sanitation and electricity and the most vulnerable of all died the littlest ones and the oldest ones because they got sick from everything and we probably had 750,000 that were killed there because not by shrapnel and you know high kinetic energy you know but but the 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 collateral damage that happens what's happening in in Gaza right now is is abominable it's criminal what happened on the 7th of October? Sure, absolutely, terrible. But um, but this thing about us being a warmongering people, I think God weeps about how his children have... I mean, we're supposed to be his crowning creation, I think. <laughs> we're his children. And, you know, the animals go and live as they were commanded to do, and the planets are where they are because God set them in their orbit. And we rebel, we fight, we are, we are become wicked, and we... we War is the most wicked of all things on the earth because all other things follow it. So anyway, maybe I'm just kind of in a bad mood today, but dang it, I I get so sick and tired of everybody kind of making this sound like it's a it's some kind of a a drumbeat of excitement on a parade. I, I don't know if you saw the movie, Sam. It was Tolkien. It was about uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, and uh, and or saw Goodbye, Mr. Chips. That's another one people may have seen. But the young boys that were in school were were celebrating. War's been declared. We're going to war. They're jumping up and down and hugging each other and everything like that. It's not a very long time when the, things really get real. That that people get really recognizing that that it's not everything it was cracked up to be. <laughs> So anyway, I I just think that we need to have a little bit of sanity too, along with all of our, um, you know, waving of the flag and everything like that. Um, there's a lot at stake. Indeed, we and, do. And we've got You're to right about do that, the right folks. Just to be really clear, what is Veterans Day? People may want to know. Is it a federal holiday? Yes, it is. Veterans Day is observed on November the 11th every year, regardless of what day it falls on in the week. So a lot of times you get the third Monday or the, the whatever. This is always on the 11th, no matter what day it falls on. today. This year it's on a Saturday. Um, so it's really tomorrow, right? But the reason I'm saying Happy Veterans Day today is because it's celebrated on Friday the day before. Now, a lot of people celebrate whatever holiday it is on the Monday after. So you're really getting kind of two celebrations, Friday in, and Monday. But it's those who serve in all U.S. wars past and present and to thank them for kind of their service is veterans day different from memorial day uh kind of they're similar but slightly different they're observed in two different months but they're also slightly different um 
The, the one Memorial is meant Days to serve those all those who gave their lives for their country, right? Right. Those that died in war. We've we've kind of forgotten that. I mean, um, here's how I look at it. We, I mean, what we've done in America is everybody goes and puts flowers on great grandpa's grave. You know that. You know whatever he did years and years ago. Not anything at all. And it's good to remember our our heritage. But but the idea behind Memorial Day is for those that gave the last full measure, the war dead. But I expand it beyond that personally, and I try to remember the families. I it's so devastating on a mom that lost a son or a a brother that lost you know or you you pick anybody that 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 paid that measure. The families have burdens also, and and I just I I think that we just don't count the cost sometimes, and the cost is high and the cost is willingly given. If it's in the right thing, but for I think a lot of the PTSD stuff that's coming around now, people know they came back from Afghanistan. What the heck? We left them tens of billions of dollars of hardware there. What did we do that was good? The Taliban's still there. I mean, you know, think about this. I mean, you think about uh, Saddam and his his boys and the, what's there. I mean, are they much better off? We, did we have to kill off hundreds of thousands of people to get to that point? And what are we doing in Syria? I mean, all of these things need to be considered, and I don't think we are. I think that the Lindsey Grahams of the world are just in full sway here. And and the desire to send billions and billions of dollars, you know, high explosives <laughs> to all of these people that are just running pell-mell to destroy their fellow man. I. We need to rethink this. That's that's my perspective, and maybe I've said more than enough. <laughs> but I'm. It really is serious consideration, and so uh, we need to wise up a little bit, a, a lot, I guess I should say. Um, well, we have we our need... work cut out for us in terms of educating people, in terms of standing for that which is right. And, and I'll be the first to tell you that I, I agree. It gets very, very uh, concerning. And it gets discouraging. And it gets overwhelming. And it gets so bad mood or not today, Dr. Bradley, for you. I, I'm just telling you that I get the frustration. I get that it feels like we're losing at every turn. I get it. I agree 100% that it absolutely feels that way. But there are some people pushing back. And they're pushing back in some pretty bold ways. And I really appreciate it. I used to be the only outspoken one. Now there's starting to be at least a few of us, thank heavens. Um, but, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy was on the debate stage. And really the debate, the third debate was a waste of time, absolute waste of time. And I uh, went through the debate and all I did was pulled out Vivek Ramaswamy's comments. Because you know what? There might be concern about his qualifications for president. And you can go over that again uh, Dr. Bradley, so people can kind of just understand that. Do that really quick, though. Why might he not be eligible to be president? But let's talk about what he's saying, because what he's saying uh, really on the campaign stage, for the most part, is right on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, speak it out, baby. He's not qualified constitutionally to be president based on the founding father's intentions. but uh, And he's not qualified to be vice president either if he's looking for a slot behind uh, Trump. Just help like, people understand that because he would say, "Well, wait a minute! I was born in America, and I'm I'm a natural citizen, right?" No, uh, that. But that it all depends on how you define natural citizen, right? Well, the the, the natural citizen was defined in in the 
a book that was put out just before America was founded. It, it's The Law of Nations by Vattel. He was a Swiss diplomat, um, you know, a statesman, a, you know, a scholar, a writer. I mean, he, this guy had his stuff together. And uh, it got published, and uh, uh, it came to America early enough for us to use it as we put it together, and he called it the Law of Nations. And so natural-born citizen is defined in his book. And, and we did we talked a little bit about this the other day, but I happen to have a copy of, of his book Sure, here. I just wanted to get out the summary, and then we'll break down a lot of what he had to say, because what he's saying is spot on. Well, basically, the natural-born citizen stuff is people are born in the country of parents who are citizens okay now there's if if a person is born here uh, but it's only the place of their birth but not his country that that was the original intent and and uh, the founding fathers put in this natural born citizen stuff in the constitution i mean look at article 2 okay so uh, so that was the way it was. The 1790, the Founding Fathers created an immigration naturalization law. They did it again in 1795. And yes, it was tied to the parents and their citizenship. And uh, there was a, some other additions that have happened over the years. There was a naturalization law that went in in, in 1940 that brought the mom into the picture and all this. But, but um, the idea that, that if you get born in the country, you're an automatic citizen is a fabrication that's tied to the 14th Amendment. In Section 1, it says anybody born under the jurisdiction. Well, the, the people that are here illegally, the people that are here as diplomats, the people that are here as vacationers, anything like that, do not qualify. And that was clearly understood. Um, um, Jacob Howard's uh, Senator Jacob Howard of, of Michigan, when this when he wrote, he helped write anyway, uh, that first part of the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, he he said no, this definitely he, he unequivocally on the floor of the Senate he says no, foreigners, uh, diplomats, uh, anybody, nobody except for those that are actually intended to be. And by the way, the Fourteenth Amendment was for the integration of the former slaves into citizenship, but. In spite of that, in 18, no, 1982, William Brennan, the Supreme Court Justice, as a footnote to a, in the uh, uh, Plyler v. Doe um, case, said, nope, anybody born here is a citizen. And so that's why they say he's a natural-born citizen, this Ramaswamy guy. His parents weren't citizens. His dad still isn't. And, uh, and they'd come here from India, but his, his dad never never became a citizen, which was integrated from the very beginning in this thing. Ted Cruz has got a similar problem. Uh, we could There's nuances to that. Uh, uh, Marco Rubio has a similar problem. Obviously, Kamala Harris has a problem, not qualified to be vice president by a lot of, you know, markers. And, and Barack Obama certainly wasn't. And... Uh, his photoshopped birth certificate is is just a travesty of people uh, to us today. Uh, I mean, we have become such a, a flagrant, ignorant people about what should be there. But anyway, Ramaswamy was born here of parents that were not citizens. His dad never became a citizen, but his mom did ultimately, but not b before. Anyway, so I, I say the founding fathers had a clear definition, and, and he doesn't qualify. But I'll tell you what, he's saying some good things. 
what he well, took. And, I, and I'll Republican. tell you, again, when we say it's constitutionally qualified, we're not saying Vivek doesn't have loyalty to this country. He may. What we're saying, though, is the reason the Founding Fathers were so specific about this was to make sure that there are not dual and or false allegiance, if you will. Uh, and Vivek really promotes his Indian heritage, uh, etc., and, and, and his views. And so, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a concern where his allegiance lies. I believe he's true blue to America on a personal level. But that's what the Founding Fathers were so worried about. And that what, that's why they set the bar so high. When we come back, we'll talk more about Vivek and his comments and what it all means for you and me in seconds with Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com, on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Corey Myers. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says Israel is not looking to rule Gaza after the end of the current conflict between Israel and the Palestinian militant group Hamas. We don't seek to conquer Gaza. We don't seek to occupy Gaza. And we don't seek to govern Gaza. In a Fox News interview that aired yesterday, Netanyahu said that Israel is not looking to govern Gaza and will have to find a civilian government that will be there. Following the U.S. airstrike in Syria, American troops have faced four separate attacks. On Wednesday, F-15s targeted a weapons facility in Syria utilized by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and affiliated groups. The subsequent day, the Pentagon confirmed at least four fresh assaults by Iranian-backed groups on U.S. bases in the Middle East. President Biden paid a visit to some United Auto Workers in Illinois yesterday. President Biden is commending the reopening of a Stellantis plant as a crucial component of the fresh labor agreement between automakers and the United Auto Workers Union. Speaking with union workers in Belvedere, Illinois, Biden referred to it as a momentous achievement. You guys sacrificed to save the automobile industry. And now the auto companies were doing incredibly well. So auto workers should be doing incredibly well as well. The new deal encompasses substantial wage hikes and robust job safeguards. I'm John Schaefer. Israel has announced daily four-hour pauses in the conflict against Hamas in Gaza. That move aiming to enable citizens in northern Gaza to relocate to safer areas and receive humanitarian assistance. Additionally, further humanitarian aid is being facilitated through the Rafah crossing from Egypt. This is USA News. Omaha Steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest home-style burgers you've ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha Steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight for just $79.99. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout to get an extra $20 off your order plus free shipping. You'll get four of each pure ground burger so you can sample all the steak on a bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. Don't wait. Go to OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $20 off the Burger Perfection Flight and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. 
All right, it's Dr. Scott Bradley and Sam Bushman on your radio, freedomsrisingsun.com, to learn more about his Collegiate series, To Preserve the Nation and More. His weekly webinars are available there, Q&As on the Constitution, which we'll get to uh, in a minute here, a couple of the Q&As that were, uh, you know, up there on video and stuff like that, a little kind of um, summary of that on the radio comes up uh, here soon. But uh, Vivek Ramaswamy said a lot of the right things, and I think the opening salvo that he gave really sets the stage for the discussion. Uh, here's Vivek. Uh, Mr. Ramaswamy, let me turn to you. Uh, please make your case. Why would you, uh, why should you be the nominee and not the former president? I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross, this is how we get our country back. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story. And they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Let me turn to Governor Governor Christie. All right, Dr. Bradley, what do you say? Fireball. I mean, lit him up, baby. I mean, you know, they were going through a yawner. I mean, the whole thing is a a yawner. I mean, they talk about, you know, uh, this idea of the Biden uh, uh, laptop and Israel, ho-hum, everybody and their dog knows whose drums are being beat for that. They talk about who can beat Trump. <clears throat> and and you know what? It it just was one of those things. I, I don't know what the numbers are on it, but I'll bet it was probably the least watched debate that's yeah, ever happened. Yeah, they say a little over 7 million. Okay, at the whole presidential level. but But that was very much on point. I mean, the idea, when he said we got our butts kicked last night. I mean, that had to do with the election that happened. It wasn't a general election, but an election that happened all across the country. The Republicans, basically, they flopped on their belly again. It was another, you know, no red wave that had, didn't happen. Yeah, but they, don't, they don't have any plan, and this is what Vivek kind of highlighted, too. They don't have any plan. Look at Ohio. They literally codified murder up until the baby's born now as part of the Ohio Constitution. Uh, and what Vivek pointed out, and I think he's spot on, we didn't have a plan. We didn't have a proposal or an action item on the table. We just simply let them slaughter us and went home and went, oh, isn't that horrible? And now they're painting this narrative that nobody in America is pro-life. Polls show that's a lie. We just didn't have an answer or a plan. Now, when I say we, that's kind of convoluted because I'm not even a Republican. But I mean we, the pro-life folks, much less the Republicans, doctor. Well, that, that's the thing, is that the Republicans are trying to play around in the middle of the street. Uh, 
You know what happens? You get hit by traffic going both ways. You really do if you're out in the middle of the street. Take a position. Make sure it's a principles-based position based upon the original intent, the tradition of the Founding Fathers, that kind of stuff. Stick with it. Quit dinking around trying to, to you know, oh, yeah, we're going to go to every foreign war we can. Oh, yeah, we're going to try and this is the right of a woman to kill her baby. No, it's not. There's another human being involved, and it's not just the father. Yes, the father should be. You know, the father is supposed to take responsibility for all this kind of stuff, too. But the, but every time, every time there's an abortion, a human being dies. It's a little boy or it's a little girl. You say, oh, it's a women's issue. No, make your choice. Decide you're not going to be engaged in these things if you don't want to have the outcomes. But the fact of the matter is we've just lost sight of everything. And, and that's the whole thing. The Republicans today are part of the Uniparty. And and it's like they don't do their jobs. I mean, you, you think about, you know, the idea of uh, uh, trying to fund the country. No, they're more worried about funding Ukraine or Israel right now. By the way, that brings up another side trap. I'm, I'm not going to I don't know. I don't know if I want to leave the Republican debate yet. But but this idea we're we're running up 17th of November. It's a it's a week away, folks. Uh, the week away, we are going to have another looming shutdown. Are we going to do another continuing resolution? Yes, but maybe a variation, a laddered resolution. We did it back in 1991 where they split up different bills and they have different expiration things and they extend them at different times and different ways. It obfuscates everything. I think it makes it easier for them to put in emergency military funding for Ukraine and Israel. Well, so Levesque talked about zero budgeting, and what he said was, instead of starting out with last year's numbers as your baseline, let's start with zero. This is something that Ron Paul and Rand Paul and I and many others have spoke out about, Dr. Bradley, and I'm sure you'd agree. Why don't we just start out with zero and say there is no funding for the government. We're the House, and we control the purse strings. Do you understand that? The number is zero. Now, we're going to put up single item bills or single issue bills one at a time we're going to vote on them and we're only going to put forward things that are clearly documented as constitutional funding of the proper role of government we're going to fund those things first then we're going to say okay what um, may not be constitutional but we need to fund so that we don't crash the plane then you've got to put a bill together that decides to fund it for a sunset period or for some kind of extraction uh, agenda or focus or plan that could, um, you know, bridge the gap and not crash the plane, but yet, you know, get us out of those things. And then we're not going to fund anything else, period, end of paragraph. It's not up for discussion. You guys can argue with us, but we hold the majority in the House and we hold the purse strings and we don't care what you say or do. We're going to give you constitutional things. We're going to pass them. If you don't, you're shutting down the government, not us. And we're not going to fund anything else. It's that simple. And if there's a bridge that needs to be had because we don't want to break promises to people, et cetera, et cetera, fine. An extraction plan or a sunset plan will be built into the next funding piece if we must do it. What if we start there? You make a really good argument. This idea of zero-based budgeting is a justification that has to be gone through every single time. Now, there's, we've gotten so big in all the little dinky things that we're messing around with that uh, they're going to say it's all too complicated. No, really. May, strip it right down to go read your Constitution. What do you have it, uh, the responsibility to do? And if, if it's not there, that's not there. But here's the deal. What usually happens is a use it or lose it kind of attitude, where if you got a $10 billion budget last year 
and and uh, and and you got to spend it all by golly or they'll think we don't need it and so it goes for all sorts of garbage that just frivolously spends things off and then they say oh we need a 6 per, uh, a 6 billion dollar increase this coming year for this department that had a 10 billion dollar last year and and uh, so everybody wrangles about it and it ends up being a 13 billion dollar budget uh the that was last year 10 billion and they say, oh, man, we cut $3 billion. Good on us. No, you just increased it $3 billion. And, and that's how and, they And then you lied the about it on top of that, doctor. Yeah. You lied. You because you know it isn't that, a decrease at all. It's kind of like if but, someone but says, was, Sam, I got a $200,000 car for you. I'm going to have you buy it for fifty grand. Man, Sam, you just saved one hundred and fifty grand. No, I didn't. I just spent fifty grand. do not lie to me now. Right. Okay. That's the truth, right? That that's how these that's how the the phony baloney financial world lives uh, on out there on the Potomac. You get Potomac fever, but but that's that's the whole problem is we have lost our bearings completely, and um, and it's just astonishing to me how much we've come off base. I mean our. I'm going by memory, but it's something over eight hundred billion dollars is our military thing. If you combine Social Security and and uh, Medicare and all the other unconstitutional things, they're probably two and a half, maybe just two dot four billion dollars. Okay, well, which which one of those things is in the Constitution? Well, I mean, and that is the quintessential f- point that I'm making about zero-based budgeting, and you've got to basically justify every expenditure. You know, in an audit, every expenditure has to have a backing up of, you know what, where do you get this expenditure, what makes up this or that. You've got to document everything until the cows come home. I think we need to force them to do single-issue bills, document the constitutional justification for every one of them, or if there's no constitutional justification, then if we're going to fund it so we don't crash the plane or break promises, we, we can have an extraction or a sunset plan. That's what we need to do now. Vivek was on fire. He was the only one that had comments, I believe, that had any value, literally at all. Uh, and I don't want this to be the Vivek show. We already played all of his sound bites yesterday on the radio. But I do want to play one more sound bite, though, and get your take, Doctor. Here's what he had to say. We've talked a lot about foreign wars tonight, but we're in the middle of a war right here at home. It's a war not between black and white or Democrat and Republican. It's between those of us who believe in our founding ideals and love this country and a fringe minority who hates the United States of America. And I think it's going to take a commander-in-chief to lead us to victory in that war, who first of all knows that we're in a war, second of all can't be captured by the special interests along the way, but third is from the next generation, somebody with fresh legs to lead us to victory. I'll shut down the deep state, I'll declare economic independence from China, I'll keep us out of World War III, and then revive national pride in this country. I also want to close with one message to the Democrat Party. End this farce that Joe Biden is going to be your nominee. We know he's not even the president of the United States. He's a puppet for the managerial class. So have the guts to step up and be honest about who you're actually going to put up so we can have an honest debate. Biden should step aside, end his candidacy now, so we can see whether it's Newsom or Michelle Obama or whoever else. Just tell us the truth so we can have an honest debate. Doctor, what do you say to that final salvo from him? Well spoken. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you think about this now. I do take a little issue with something that he said, and I, and I can't let this opportunity pass. This next generation Bravo Sierra is absolutely Bravo Sierra. Most of the generation that he's in doesn't know which side of the, the bread the toast is buttered on. 
And, and the, the fact of the matter is that this is an encouragement that the wisdom of ages is set aside. You know, very often uh, knowing where the skeletons are is important. Knowing what uh, landmines have been stepped on and where and why. All of those kind of things are are happening. And, and this idea sometimes, you know, I got a grandson. I love him uh, so much and everything. He's so wonderful. He's only 18 years old. But I think he really truly believes we haven't actually had this exact conversation. But I think he believes that everybody over 60 ought to be dead. I mean, it's like, what are, what are they good for? I mean, they're just, you know, uh, useless eaters or whatever. The the Native Americans had a, a good program for their aged people. They always had value. And and there was, if nothing else, it was the storytelling. It was the keeping their heritage, their traditions alive. We have lost the tradition of the it American founding It was also the words of wisdom that they brought to the table when it was decision time. Maybe they didn't make the final decision, but they certainly were able to draw on that experience and put words of wisdom into the mix. Uh, to be considered and, and, and talked about and thought about. And, and Okay, so there's a value. We need the next generation. They're the future. We also need the not jettison the current generation. we got to have a blend, and they used to do that. Many cultures still do that. America could take a page out of that playbook for sure. There's no question about that. And, in fact, the American founding fathers of a lifetime of study, well more than 50 years of review, they spoke often and eloquently about their posterity. What they did, they did largely for their posterity. Even the, even the preamble to the Constitution talks about themselves and their posterity. That was on their mind. Thomas Jefferson said, never, never, never. If you have to go into debt, it's never longer than 20 years. You've got an amortization schedule that pays it off in 20 years because that is a political lifetime. Your gener next generation should not be tasked with the stupidity of a previous generation's debt. All of those kind of things were on the founder's mind. That was wisdom that we currently don't have. So nobody's thinking about the future generation. And so the older people are useless eaters. They're, you know, you're paying your Social Security money that's going directly into their check, and you hate that, you're mad about it, and all that kind of stuff. As a younger generation, the older generation says, wait a minute, I, I paid into this all my life. I mean, you can see the arguments that happen. Socialist communist perspective yeah they're both Fragment. being lied to they're both lied to and betrayed and swindled but other than that hey it causes contention it causes fractures it will destroy society and and i i felt really kind of bad when ramaswamy said that because to me it's it's a it's well, an error sadly you're right about that 100 percent. sadly though when you see guys like mike pence on the stage like Nikki Haley, these older people that are just absolutely hawkish and crazy and defending of the deep state and denying what changes need to be made in America to the point where, I mean, he's firing back against that. Your point's well taken, but I get, I get why he's firing back about that, though. So I guess what I'm saying, there's a blend of realities here. I think we need to respect and appreciate the wisdom of the older generation. Absolutely God-ordained value for everyone at all ages of their lives. There's a purpose for them to be here and a value they bring to the table. There's no uh, question. But I, but I get his frustration and why he's kind of firing back um, 
that way. But anyway, the bottom line is the Republicans got spanked big time. 2024 ain't looking good. The pro-life agenda is not looking too good because they've manipulated uh, with the media lies about pro-life. More Americans are pro-life than you think. But when given no other choices and given the wrong choice and the wrong messages, they tend to pick uh, deceptive wrong choices. It's sad but true. Um, what do you think the future holds for us in terms of, of the elections? I don't think it's going to get any better. I don't think that a guy named Mike uh, Johnson or anybody can turn this around. The, the deep state is just too aggressive, too abusive, too hostile. The answers don't lie in Washington, doctor. They do not, and our only Savior is the Savior, Jesus Christ. But but we have what we have right now, and we've got to step up and start defending the baseline principles of this nation. I mean, you know, you mentioned Mike Johnson. I mean, yeah, he's a Christian, they say, and everything, and all this kind of stuff, and he's 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 got some good rhetoric that he speaks about and but he's given his bona fides. He said we're going to do the NATO thing. He's defended NATO before. He said we're going to fund Israel and they they put together a plan to do that. And and it's like no, no, no. The foreign policy is where you walk in big landmines. There are big problems. You're right. I I I don't think that that he's going to pull it off. I think that there's a charade going on right now. Um, but but America needs to wake up to the fundamental return path, and we've got to start making popular again that which is sounded good and unpopular, that which is unsound. And so, uh, yeah, Ramaswamy said some really great. The fact it was the best part of the whole debate, actually. It was, for sure. And believe it or not, <laughs> but, there is some changing based on what he said. Believe it or not, the RNC now say they're ditching the establishment media for their, quote, fourth primary debate, um, they say now, here's where I kind of think they're wrong. They're kind of going to the alt mainstream media, not really to the new media taking center stage, as I would call it. They're going to have Megan Kelly, News Nations, Elizabeth uh, Vargas, and the Washington Free Beacons, Alana Johnson. And they say that they're going to have uh, this event uh, as Rumble will be the exclusive um live stream provider for this so they made some changes but they're not going near far enough but you know what i i doubt that would have been announced on the heels of vivek's point there's something to this at least and it's not perfect but it's a start you know people used to listen to rush limbaugh then they graduated to glenn beck and then they listened to sam bushman kind of an idea that's what started to happen doctor to some degree well you know he recommended uh you know like joe rogan and and elon yeah, sure. musk and i mean and, and, and Tucker Carlson, I mean, it, it would be a bare I wouldn't knuckles. go for any uh, of the six, the ones they're going no, with but, or the ones he recommended. Right. But I'm here to tell you that, that this blasé, bland, uh, underhanded, left-handed compliment kind of thing where they, where they vet and they, and they clean everything up so that it can be spun in the way they want to ultimately. NBC, are you kidding me? The, the Republican National Committee did NBC. I mean, well, look and, at the And nobody even backed Vivek's point. Others on the stage should have said, hey, Vivek's a, little, Vivek's a little bold on this, but you know what? He's got a valid point here. What are we doing? Nobody even had the guts to back up Vivek on this point, and they should have, especially Ron DeSantis should have, doctor. Well, they absolutely should, but, but the, everybody's so... Tucked in and playing it by the the I mean, it's like oh I got too much to lose. You know what? Do you remember in in Braveheart when Braveheart had the discussion with Robert the Bruce, and and Robert the Bruce says uh, you know Braveheart says look it's your right to lead you lead I'll follow you, 
I, we will do this. We will gain our liberty from, from England, blah, blah, blah. You remember the story. Go back and look at it. It's, it's pretty epic in the movie. Anyway, and, and Braveheart, I mean, uh, Robert the Bruce says, these are noblemen. They have lands and titles and much to lose. And, and Braveheart says, and the man that bleeds on the field, he takes it right back to the essence of this. This is the guy that's dying for what we have to stand for. And the, the noblemen are worried about their lands and titles. You know what? We get people to bleed on the field every single day. We've had strikes against um, our, our people in Syria. They shouldn't be there, people. Amen. We shouldn't they be shouldn't taking be in shrapnel. In the first place. That's right. But the fact of the matter is they're bleeding on the field and those that are tucked in in the three-piece suits, I don't know if they wear three-piece suits, but at least they wear ties. All of these people are, are out there playing a card game when there's really high stakes, and it's just not on the battlefield. It's on our posterity's future for proper government. And what in blazes are we doing when we're nibbling around the edges, we're saluting the flag and saying platitudes about it, when we have forgotten the baseline principles. I mean, the people we're electing really, really have got it down to a political speak. Change you can believe in. What You're the right heck about is that. that hey, quickly, before the end of the hour, what have you been talking about on the webinar recently? Maybe there's a quick point to be made, and then we can point people to the webinars weekly for Q&As on the Constitution and more at freedomsrisingsun.com, doctor. Oh, man. I mean, we, you know, we had 1,500 videos taken down. We try and do a Q&A every Thursday night. And, and the people's, the questions come up that the people are interested in. And, and the, uh, the question is, it's what's on people's minds. And the, you know, this Vivek thing and the Republican national thing and the elections and all that kind of stuff, um, are, are there but but the fact of the matter is people are worried about how our country's being invaded uh, people are are really sick about where we're going to war and and why and all that kind of stuff i mean people have this on their mind and people are just i mean they're looking at hunter biden's pornography on his on his uh, uh laptop i mean Again, we're, I think, being sold out on this uh, dragging their feet kind of thing to get us into, uh, into a, an impeachment thing where we've got huge issues. Uh, the invasion, why aren't we focusing on that? I mean, uh, the idea of the impeachment, that's on people's minds. I mean, where the heck is this going? I mean, it went silent for three weeks, you know, because of the uh, mess the uh, Speaker of the House, but um, I, we, we just, we're just off on a tangent, I think, right now, just sadly, just absolutely sadly, and, and the, uh, the Republican thing last night, I mean, no, Wednesday night was, was a good thing, but, uh, but there was far too little uh, spent on, uh, on the things that were really important. I just give you some other of the issues. Uh, let's see if I can uh, pull up a couple of the questions. I don't know if I've got them handy right now, but uh, uh, some of the other questions last night that that were up is, oh, for crying out loud, the the Hamas Israeli conflict. What's going on in terms of 
the invasion of Gaza. We heard Netanyahu on the news break talk about, no, we're not going to rule Gaza. We're going to pick somebody else to rule. Oh, so you can have a puppet, surrogate kind of thing. One of the things that I talked about last night, by the way, was the Ben-Gurion Canal plans. You know, the offshore resources that currently have been discovered off of Gaza. Now, could, they, could Israel be interested in that? Could there be something about this uh, Ben-Gurion Canal plans? It's a, it's a competing canal to the Suez Canal that they want to put in. It currently is planned. It goes towards Gaza. It veers around it. But if they had Gaza in their, in their uh, you know, bailiwick, they could go right through Gaza and do it less expensively and uh, actually get it done quicker. I mean, those kind of things. Hezbollah in Syria and Iran. Well, who's there in, in Syria under the invitation of, of I mean, Syria is inv invited. I mean, Assad invited Iran to be there. We're not invited to be there. We're an occupying territory. We're an occupying force in Syria, and we get attacked by Iran, who's there at the request. Look what was happening. We were in Vietnam, right, South Vietnam, at the behest and the request of South Vietnam, and these other guys kept attacking us. Wow. I mean, holy cow. I mean, how stupid is our, how we're doing things? Uh, let's see. We talked about uh, some of the, oh, this thing. Uh, maybe we ought to talk for a minute about the... Uh, um, what do they call it? Continuing resolution, because they're probably going to have to do that, and and people are not really happy with how we're being fed a line. Just all sorts of things that the people want to talk about that I don't think really got aired on the uh, <laughs> in the debates or any of the discussions that are happening in the house right now. You know, so. Anyway, uh, people people have things on their mind. They want oh, one of the things they wanted to know about: why do we have so many Israeli dual citizens in our House and Senate? This divided divided loyalty thing. Why do we have that? I mean, uh, people are paying attention, at least in some circles. That's because anyway. we're so compromised as a nation. The deep state's taken over, and the American people really haven't done their due diligence to understand. And demand. Understand what's at stake. Understand the proper role of the founding fathers and the proper role of limited constitutional government. And then demand, demand accountability for it. That's the quintessential problem. The only way to solve it is for us to become a moral and a religious people once again. We follow the Prince of Peace that are. That is where the solutions are found. God, family, and country. Thank you, Dr. Bradley. FreedomsRisingSun.com. LovingLiberty.net. God save the Republic of the United States of America.